friends, I'm Molly, and we're here today with our Relief from Darkness podcast crew, where we are continuing our conversations about how to walk out of the stuck areas of our lives. And we are talking about anything ranging from anxiety to depression to suicidal thoughts to eating disorders or substance abuse, and seriously, everything in between. Because here at No Boundaries, we really do believe that the thought processes that have us in these stuck places can be healed. And as our thought processes heal, our brains heal and start to change. And if you change your brain, then you change your life. So today I'm here with our very own brain geek, Dr. Lori Basie. Hey guys. And we are continuing our CPR series. So if you've been kind of following this podcast, we've mentioned CPR in every single episode. So now we're kind of on this little break where we're really diving in depth to see what CPR even really is. So since then, we have talked about how do we know if something's wrong? And then we moved into connection, connection with God, self, and others. And now we're in the psychoeducation portion of the show. So with psychoeducation, we started off with uh, brain basics, and then we went into the amalama ding dong. Amygdala. Amygdala. And then we went into where we described in detail top-down anxiety and then bottom-up anxiety. So for this session, we're going to be talking about the reticular activating system. Drum roll. That was a great drum roll. Thank you for that. Oh, that was a little behind. (laughs) So for short, we call it the RAS. Again, reticular activating system. So Dr. Lori. Yes. Lay it on us. What's the RAS? All right. So here's the RAS. And I just want to say how fabulous these segments have been from the brain standpoint. So much fun. For her. And. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very funny. All right. So this rounds out our brain portion of this. And we are ending it with the RAS. And so the RAS acts as a filter for all input. So we have to just flash back to brain basics. Our brain is organized for two things. Molly, two things, two things, two things. And the first one is survival and the other is simplicity. Now, there are so many things that are coming into your brain. And remember, your brain is even active while it's asleep. There are so many things that are coming into your brain in one second. In fact, how many things are coming into my brain? Molly might be wondering. Mm -hmm. Two million bits per second of information comes into our brain. That's a lot of information. And because our brain is organized for survival and simplicity, for simplicity, we can only focus on five to seven pieces of information in a second. And so what makes the difference... And what we focus on. And let's just ask this question. Do you think it really does make a difference in what you focus on? Because we've got all of these options. And what's someone who is really doing well and who's adaptable and who's changing the world, do you think they focus on something differently than everybody else focuses on? And so what are we supposed to focus on? And I think about even the biblical characters. I mean, we've just geeked all the way out to think about the brain scans of Paul and Peter. I wonder what they focused on. So while they're in prison or Daniel while he's in the lion's den, I mean, what are people focusing on? And how do you train your brain to focus on the things that we're supposed to focus on? And we know that we're supposed to focus on things that are pure and praiseworthy and lovely and noble and right and just. And and so we've got to order our brain. And 
a lot of times people say, well, you know, you're just an optimist. And it's not that we're an optimist and the glass is half full. And it's not that we're a pessimist and the glass is half empty. It's that we know the one who fills the glass. And the one who fills the glass tells us what we're supposed to focus on. But we have to order our brain. And so it's not what you you look at that matters. It's actually what you see. And so I wonder... If you've ever been looking for your sunglasses and you're going around the house asking people where your sunglasses are and they're actually on top of your head, Mm -hmm. or you're looking for your phone and your phone's in your hand or in your back pocket. And you're talking on it. (laughs) Oh, have you done (laughs) that? That's the bad one. That's really scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we have to then order our brain in what we're going to focus on. And so because of simplicity, that God has organized our brain so that we can only focus on a few things. So... Many people spend their entire lives reacting to what they don't want to be or don't want to happen instead of purposefully bringing heaven on earth. And so we really have to get a vision of what it would look like. And then we have to put choices in place based on that vision of what something would look like. So, for example, we're trying to get in shape. And so we're exercising, we're going to boot camp. we're going to CrossFit, we're exercising every day, and then we've modified our diet because you can't really get in shape and then just eat things that you shouldn't be eating. And so right now, we're coming upon Easter, and Easter is actually peep season. There are peeps everywhere, peeps in the store, peeps in the Easter baskets, peeps everywhere. And peeps are my favorite candy. And so most people don't like peeps. So I want you to think about then what's your very favorite candy? Molly Buck? Probably a Cadbury cream egg if we're talking about Easter. Okay. So Cadbury cream egg, and I'm going to think about peeps. And so, but then now we're trying to get healthy. And if you just tell Molly, Molly, do not think about a Cadbury cream egg. Do not think about a Cadbury cream egg. And if you tell me, do not think about a peep, do not think about a peep, do not think about a peep. Well, Molly and listeners, what are we thinking about? Cadbury cream eggs and peeps. Exactly. And now I would take a pass on the Cadbury cream egg, but so that's not going to be neither here nor there. Do you like peeps? Um, They're okay. And so you'd probably eat a peep if you had to. But, But what you have to do is you actually have to get a picture of what it would look like Instead of saying do not, because your brain doesn't hear the not. And so if we start to focus on, I have to eat healthy, I can't have a peep, all I can have is this strawberry and the strawberry doesn't taste like the peep, then I'm really not going to do very well. So what I have to do is I have to get a picture of what it could be like. And my image is what it looks like to be in shape, to be healthy And what would somebody who's in shape and healthy actually eat? Would they have a diet today of Cadbury eggs and peeps? No, they would not. And so instead of saying, don't eat, don't eat, don't eat, I actually have a picture. I've ordered my brain to think about then what does it look like to be in shape and what does someone who's in shape eat? And that makes all the difference in the world. And so instead of reacting to what we don't want to be like. And so we hear a lot of times our our, our friends will come in, they'll say, you know, my t- dad was terrible and I don't want to be like him. He did this, this, and this. And then the cycle repeats itself and they become just like their dad. Or they're, 
the people that are trying to stop doing one thing and then they end up replacing it with something else that's equally just as dysfunctional and unhealthy. And so it's the reticular activating system that's the input, that's the filter for everything that we pay attention to and everything that we notice in our environment. So I think, Molly, maybe we should play a game with the audience and just see if they could do this safely. Yeah. So what I want you to do is safely, again, if you're driving or wherever you're listening to this, I want you to scan your environment, the environment that you're in, and I want you to quickly count everything that you see that's pink. I'm picking pink because it's my favorite color. And so just do a real quick environment scan. Make sure you look from left to right and top to bottom. Again, do this safely if you're driving and scan for every single thing that you see that's pink and count the number of pink, pink items that are in your, in your periphery. Okay. And now if, if we were with you, we'd ask you how many you saw, but since we're not with you, so keep that number in mind now without looking around, I want you to tell me how many blue items you saw. And you probably have no idea, or you wouldn't accurately be able to tell me how many blue items you saw because, and remember you looked from top to bottom and left to right or right to left. So you scanned your, your environment. So you then actually saw everything in your environment, but you didn't see the blue environment things enough to register that in your brain. Because again, your brain is organized for survival and simplicity. And because you ordered your brain to find the pink items, that's the things that you paid attention to. And so what's the practical application of this? Molly, any ideas? Oh, yeah. Man, so um, so if we're talking that your brain only brings in, what'd you say, five to seven? Yes. In, so this could be from any of our senses, correct? Yes. So like sight, smell, taste, mm -hmm. hear. Mm -hmm. So I have a few, actually. But one time I was in high school and I was in, I won't way name the back, way, no, let's way, not go way. way too back, just a little bit back. Okay. A few years back. A few years back. And I'm sitting in geometry class and we're taking a test. However, I could not take the test. <laughs> Why? Because there was someone in the class that was chewing their gum. <gasps> and instead of being able to take the test and to focus on the test and the numbers and the things, all I could do was count how many times <laughs> this person was chewing. Like each chew is in like one, two, three. And that's all I could hear. Uh -huh. It was so loud in my brain. So finally, I actually just got up and left. Oh, that's I terrible. Mean, and so like this, you guys, like this can really affect, like that's kind of like a funny thing, but this really can affect everyday life. Like if it's from that or if you're struggling in addiction, mm -hmm. like addiction to anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember being around someone uh, – yeah, I remember being around someone once, and uh, she was really struggling with an addiction to cigarettes uh -huh. and tobacco. And she just kept saying how badly she wanted a cigarette and how much she wanted this or wanted that and was really like, I need to stop and I need to get there and we need to go. And I remember having this moment where I just looked at her and I was like, man, I highly suggest you get a new thought. Oh, that's so good. And I mean, this was true for me too. Like I hadn't really put that uh, practice into place yet. I uh -huh. was kind of letting the world or letting addiction or letting whatever tell me what to think about. Uh -huh. And if we're not careful, you guys, like the world, the world and the enemy are happy to give us thoughts mm -hmm. and they're happy to tell us what to think about. And 
as having the mind of Christ, if we're supposed to, you know, think about the things that Philippians tells us to think about, um, then it's really to our benefit that we stay in those lanes Mm -hmm. and to know that it really is possible to then get a new thought. That's so good. So I think about several examples as well. And so what about if I wake up today and it's just bright and early and even before I get out of bed, I say, this is going to be a terrible day. And so the scary thing is, is that I have ordered my brain to find everything that will reinforce terrible day. And so I think about when we go to a restaurant, Molly and I love fried pickles. And if you go to a restaurant and you sit down and they have the best fried pickles in the world, and Molly and I order two big baskets of fried pickles because that is a vegetable of all vegetables plus jalapenos. And the waitress brings us a big basket of Brussels sprouts. We are going to be really devastated. Yeah. I mean, it's just not right. And so, but if we wake up and say that this is going to be a terrible day, what we order, we expect the waitress to bring to us. And it's the same thing with our brain. What our brain orders is what we're actually going to get. So if I say this is going to be a terrible day, then I've actually ordered my brain to scan the environment like what we were scanning for with pink and to find everything else that reinforces that today is a terrible day and I won't notice the blue things or anything that's good or anything that I have to be thankful for because my brain has ordered already what's going to be terrible. And so for people to say, you know, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or today's going to be a terrible day, I think I love what Molly said, then I highly suggest you get a new thought or I highly suggest then you go back in and get in bed and then redo and get back out of bed and start to declare what today's going to be and what your brain's going to bring you. Because you could in a day have only one bad thing happen and you've ordered your brain to find all of the bad things. And then there could be 50 good things that happen, but you're never going to see those good things that happen. All you're going to do is focus on the one bad. Yeah. And that's what they say. Most people are just really negative. And so I wonder, too, if we're really negative, then what's it like to be on the other side of us? Why would we want to be on the other side of us Is if all we could do is just be negative like that? If we can't see the wonder in things, if we don't order our brain to find the good things, if we're critical and judgmental. And so run this through with me as well. If we make a judgment about a person... Mm. If we meet somebody and we have this first impression and we just get this feeling about this person, well, we've already talked about the mid part of our brain, a feeling that's produced maybe then being triggered by an association that that person reminds us of somebody else who's produced this particular feeling in me. And so if we allow that to be what our brain orders, then that's what our brain is going to bring to us, that we've already made a notion about someone. We've already judged that person. We really don't have anything to back that up except this this intuition. And then when we're around that person, the only thing that we're going to find are negative things. We're not going to see the positive things in them. And in actuality, I just want to talk about this word wonder for a second. And I've really been stuck on this word, this word, what would it be like if every person that we met and when we're in every environment, we had this wonder, we wondered what 
Jesus saw. We wondered what the original design was. We wondered what fullness of destiny would be. We wondered what the potential was and could we actually order our brain and see the wonder in people and see the wonder in circumstances and let that five to seven things that we focus on be things that we could partner with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to focus on so that we could actually bring heaven into earth. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder what you think about that. That was really good. I mean, yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, I know we all have probably, if we just said, think about the most irritating person in your life right now. Oh, this is good. And I mean, probably... You guys are probably getting someone and thinking about that. So I would actually like to challenge you. I mean, I we all get to do this. I mean, this is how it should be in the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, that this should actually be more natural than anything else. But if we think about the person that irritates us the most, and we should j- just try it for a week, you guys, just try it for a week that when you're around them to see that, to see the wonder in them or to see what good things that they're bringing, or really to see how my favorite question to ask people that I'm super just kind of irritated with is how am I being introduced to Jesus through them? Like what part of him do they carry? Oh, that's good. And to focus on those things. Because I mean, Dr. Lloyd, we, I mean, we can do this with Jesus, right? Like if mm-hmm. we're not used to like finding Jesus in our environments, we talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think in every transition, why don't we look for him? And if we can't find him, it's because we haven't ordered our brain to find him. So he's everywhere. The Bible talks about that he never leaves us or forsakes us. And I love when Molly shares her testimony. She said he's always been there with her. It's that it's actually our awareness of him that increases. Yeah. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. So what about in coupled with this this homework assignment about the person that irritates you? What if every environment that you would go into, you would look for Jesus? So where is he? What is he already doing? How can I partner with that? And if we're partnering with Jesus, again, it's the things that are pure and praiseworthy and noble and right and just. If we're partnering with Jesus, we're actually doing the midbrain work. We're preparing the soil to actually see him and encounter him with seeds that have been sown and planted in our midbrain. And if if our brain is only ordered to find the negative, then Jesus, again, it's like the sunglasses on top of your head. He's right there, but we don't have the capacity to see him because we're not looking for the wonder. We're not looking for him. We're not looking for what he's already doing in every environment. And then when we walk into the room, then we just start to respond to whatever's happening in the environment instead of actually bringing him into the room with us. Yeah. And he wants us he wants us to know him. Mm-hmm. Like if we can go back to that we were created by God and for God. Meaning we're created literally to know him. Uh-huh. In that experiential midbrain way. Because that's what makes him that's what makes him real and the thing that is so cool you guys, about about God and finding Jesus in your Raz and ordering your brain to see him is then you can even look in the rearview mirror of your life and find him everywhere. That's so good. Like in all the ways or hurts or whatever the thing is, once you've ordered, once you've ordered your brain to find him, and if you're having a hard time, can I just say go straight to the Bible? 
mm-hmm. and like read the word until you get to know the characteristics of him and everything that's in line with scripture. But then suddenly you'll look back and you'll see him in, in places that you never even thought you could. I know for my own personal testimony, like walking through any trauma or any addiction or any just daily activities, if I can take a second and find out where he was in whatever the thing is and order my brain to bring him to me, that's what sets people free. And even in just the day-to-day, I mean, you guys, if you've ever had just a hard day or when things um, just hadn't made sense and then you sit down at the end of the day and you're like, all right, Jesus, well, where were you? Mm-hmm. Where were you um, when I was feeling fearful? Or where were you when this was going through my brain? Or what truth do you have to speak to me about it? And suddenly that becomes way more real. And that's bringing the kingdom of heaven and the mind of Christ to earth through you. That's it's beautiful. So oh, that's so good. And then one other little tip regarding this is that our brain is ordered for survival and simplicity. But then it's also ordered for novelty. We actually spend 25% of our time daydreaming and or 30% of our time in some sort of a story. And so our brain is meant to associate one thing with another thing, with another thing, with another thing. And we're really meant to be curious. And so I would also encourage us as we have curiosity And as we're daydreaming and as we're inserting ourselves into some sort of a storyline, whether it's a movie or it's social media or whatever that storyline is, I would encourage us then to insert ourselves into the storyline with biblical truths and who Jesus is, that we should be curious about the Bible. We should be curious about the gospels. And when we're curious about it, not just from an intellectual standpoint, but then also from a sensory standpoint, what did it look like? What did it smell like? What did what would you hear? What did it feel like? What did it taste like? What could you touch in that environment? And then as we're curious, I know that as Molly talked about the woman at the well, she was curious about the woman at the well. And she went and she Googled and she did more research. And she found out that historically speaking, the woman at the well was actually, was it beheaded? Yeah, she was beheaded in Rome. And so... That's our brain and, and in novelty and in learning and in focusing and in stirring up this thing about Jesus. Because what we don't want to do is, is we don't want to just use Jesus when we need him to show up. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about in the past, like the Build-A-Bear, that in, in the store, in the mall, you can go into this place and pick out a stuffed animal and you build whatever stuffed animal you want. And you put the clothes on it and you... And you do whatever and whatever. We don't want to build a Jesus. So we we don't want to just have Jesus and us call upon Jesus when we need him to show up in a specific way, in a specific time to do a specific thing for what we need. We actually need to have a relationship with him. And so I want to encourage us to order our brain to find him in every situation that we're in, in every transition, every time that maybe, and maybe for the first week you could do it when every time you go into the restroom, then you're looking for Jesus or every time you brush your teeth or you're in the shower or every time you walk through a transition from one environment into another environment, you walk through a doorway. The doorway could be the association that, okay, I'm transitioning in environments. I'm going to order my brain to find Jesus in this environment, knowing that 
It's pure and praiseworthy and lovely and noble and just. And what you order your brain to find, you'll find. And I would anticipate that you'll see Jesus a lot more clearly involved in your day-to-day activities than you ever could have dreamed. Yeah. And Dr. Lori, does this take time? Yes. So it's not a one and done. And so what we have to do is we actually have to subconsciously bring to our conscious level what we focus. And as we do that, our brain sucks up about 30% of our body's calories. And again, if our brain is organized for simplicity, it's to conserve calories. So it's going to take a lot of effort. I think it's like if you're right-handed and you want to try to feed yourself for the next week with your left hand, or you want to try to write with your left hand, or pretend like we're going to drive. Don't actually try this, but imagine that you drive in here in the United States, we drive on the right side of the road, but then pretend like we're going to learn how to drive on the left-hand side of the road. It takes a lot of energy and it's really, really difficult initially, but eventually it becomes habit. So what's actually going to have to happen is you're going to have to bring your subconscious thoughts to your consciousness. You're going to have to make active choices and you're going to have to then starve old pathways of negativity and finding the negative and prejudging and doing all of those things that we really shouldn't be doing anyway. And then we're going to actually have to be thankful and look for the positive and the things that are praiseworthy. And we're going to have to order our brain and eventually that will become a habit. But it just takes time. And they say it takes 21 days to start a new neuropathway and then to actually form a habit. Then you have to repeat that three times. So now we're in about 63, 63, good math, just like that, 63 days. But then you have to starve the old pathways and continue to feed the new neuropathways. And as you do that, then you have to continue that for, yes, the rest of your life. Wow. But I would certainly rather have the mind of Christ than the mind of the accuser and of the world. And even from just like the neuroscience standpoint, I mean, you've seen that in brain scans, like a really a healthy brain is, has, uh, is happy or grateful. Yeah. Versus. Yeah. A grateful versus an angry brain. Yeah. Looks totally different on the brain scans. And so that's all biblical with what, what Jesus invites us into. And so why would, and again, what's it like on the other side of us? Why would we want to be around somebody who's negative or who always finds the worst? Anybody can do that and points out the worst. But what if we start to point out the best and we give a clear picture, we give an image of what could be, and that's the thing that we portray. And that's the thing that we focus on. And that actually can start to change the environment that we're in. That's good. That's a reticular activating system. That is really good. I think so, so. Here's what I'm hearing. So if I've been in this place of just like a negative thought process or a negative behavior that's impacting my life in a, in a bad way or impacting the people that I'm around in a negative way, that that can be healed. And that can be healed through ordering our brain and telling it what to think about. That the world is full of things that want to override our thoughts, but it's almost as if the Bible said to take every thought captive. And it's almost like he said it on purpose Mm -hmm. so that we can develop brain health to be the fullness of who we're created to be in Christ. And to have the mind of Christ means we have to think like Christ. And in order to to do that, we get to tell it what to think about. Like, how cool is that? That we can actually partner with heaven and partner with Jesus and consecrate our thoughts to his 
and see what see what's going on. And whenever we start to do that, our, literally our brain starts to change physically in, in every way. And as our brains start to change, then you change your life, which is the whole point of this. So you can be set free. Your brain can heal and it can look totally different. And you can spot Jesus in every situation and in every behavior that you're trying to correct and in every in every heart posture towards God. I mean, he's just, he's going to help us. So with that, we will talk to you guys next time. Next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to our Relief from Darkness podcast. If you would like more information or are looking for more resources to help overcome the topics we've discussed here, please visit the No Boundaries International website at www.nbint.org, where we have a free e-course titled Journey of Restoration. And be sure to please leave us any comments or reviews as this will help get our content out to more listeners. We're praying for you guys and we will see you next time.